Hey guys, welcome back to another week in our faithful series uh, here at Transformation Church. My name is Brad Livingston and I am the lead pastor. And man, we're honored that you are with us today and we are excited. Uh, I know that there are a number of things happening in your life right now, but you are here today. And I'm so glad because I believe that God wants to speak to you in a powerful way today. And I, and I hope that you are prepared for that. Our faithful series, it's simple. It boils down to this. How do we remain faithful and how do we remain trusting and how do we honor and how do we look to a faithful God when we feel faithless? And so uh, our scriptures uh, that we've been starting off with each week, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So we have a confidence in this thing that we're hoping, we're believing, we're trusting, we're, again, hoping for, but the assurance... We don't, we don't know that it's going to happen because we haven't seen it yet. So faith is having that confidence in what we're hoping for, even though we haven't seen it. And then Hebrews 10, 23 says this about God, and it's special. It says, let us hold tight to the hope we declare without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. So if he's promised you something, if he's telling us that he's going to be this thing for us, if he's told us that we can trust in him, if he's told us that, uh, that he will be faithful to us, then we can trust his promises because he is faithful. So God comes through. And I remember this past week we had some storms roll through. Uh, honestly, uh, probably one of the scarier times out of the last few years in regards to weather. Um, a tornado went right through my front yard. Uh, so it knocked over my neighbor's fence. It uh, tore trees down in my neighbor's yard. It was just complete chaos. And I was reminded uh, of Hurricane Ivan. I stayed for Hurricane Ivan, me, my dad, my brother, some of our family members, my mom, my sisters, my newborn niece at the time. Uh, they went up north to try to get out of the storm and I remember this storm hit and I was terrified. Some of you stayed for Hurricane Ivan. Maybe some of you experienced Katrina or another hurricane or a tornado where you've experienced that, that terror, that fear. Oh my gosh, like, you know, remembering that. I remember uh, our fence came through our window, a tornado during Hurricane Ivan through our fence, through our window, broke it. Was You could feel the roof trying to come off of our home. We boarded it up from inside of the house, complete chaos. And I remember after that, going and seeing some of our friends and family who had houses all over Pensacola, some on Scenic Highway, and some of their homes were nothing but debris. The house was gone and it was just nothing but uh, remnants of a, a, what used to exist there, a structure that used to be. I remember helping in the cleanup in Hurricane Katrina and the same thing. I remember going into these places where homes and businesses and buildings used to be. And as we were going through there, uh, there was debris everywhere. There were remains, there were remnants of what used to exist. But man, it wasn't anything that used to be. It, it, it was like, man, the water came in and washed it all away. And I want to talk to you about this idea uh, that our lives can sometimes represent that, and it can look that way. I mean, uh, I believe that it's what some of our lives look like. For many of us, uh, it looks our life looks like a spiritual and emotional debris field scattered with items that are small remnants of what our life used to look like. 
Man, I believe that, that there are areas of our life that we can see how we used to be. We can look at how we used to feel, relationships that we used to have. We can find all of those things. And, and quite frankly, some of you may be in this place where you feel like you are a small version that has been broken and destroyed of who you used to be. You used to be whole. You used to be free. You used to enjoy life. And, and now you kind of feel hopeless. You kind of feel, man, like things are just on the down. And, and I'm here to tell you today that no matter where you are, if you feel like your life is a scattered debris field, or if you feel like you're on a mountaintop right now, that there is an immovable hope, an unshakable hope. There is a, a thing that you can have in your life that no matter what comes into your life, that it never is shaken. It never gets broken. It never gets rattled. And his name is Jesus. And, and I want to talk to you today about this immovable hope, building your life in such a way that no matter what comes into your life, you get to stand firm. So to look at this, we're going to go to Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 through 27, where it says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. Right. And so what he's saying here is that God is a rock that you can build your house on or your life on. It goes on to say this. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. In other words, they had built this house on something that could not be moved. It could not be shaken. It could not be broken. And the question here that we're seeing this is, are we building our home? Are we building our life? Are we building our future? Are we building our purpose on a rock that's immovable? Because the other option is this. It keeps on going to say this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, who does not follow what I'm trying to tell them, who does not agree, who doesn't move forward in the direction I'm leading them, whoever doesn't obey, whoever doesn't step into the promises that I have is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand on the sand, on the weak areas. And it keeps on going. It says this, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. It fell, it crumbled under what was happening. And, and I want you to have some context as to what's happening here, because Jesus is communicating specifically to a group of people in a very particular area of the land there. And, and they're familiar with the seas of Galilee. And what would happen is the streams that would flow out from the seas of Galilee during the winter and spring times is these streams would overflow with water. They, the water would come down from the banks. I mean, it would, it would really start to overflow these different streams that were around and as the streams would overflow the sediments would pop up right and so the dirt would be pulled and they would flow and they would flow down and settle in and then as that stream started and those streams started to dry out right what would be left is this remnants of debris that the streams had gathered along the way and the only thing that would remain is a very flat land because the water had brought in and flattened out that land. And there would be debris of where the water used to be and then very flat land where the sand is. And as builders would come in, they would have this temptation to build their lives. They would have temptation to build homes. They would have a temptation to build structures 
on this very flat land? Because if you were going to build something, would you go over to the mountainside where it's complicated and hard? Or would you build on what looks simple because it's flat, because it's soft? You can dig into the ground there. It seems very easy. It makes logical sense to build in easy places. But God is telling us that when we build in easy places, it's easy for those lives to fall. But when we build on the rock, things get different. So he says it like this. A life built on anything other than Jesus is waiting to crash. You see, Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our hard place. Jesus is the thing that's immovable. Jesus is a confidence booster for those of us that are walking through difficult times. So it says a life built on anything other than him, it's waiting to crash. It's on the verge of crashing. And I'm telling you right now, for some of you, you're in this pickle, you're in this dilemma, you're in this rock, uh, this hard place between, between the rock and the hard place, if you will. You are in this difficult season and you're trying to figure it out. And I'm here to tell you, you can keep trying as hard as you want to. It's not going to be the difference maker. Putting your faith in the rock is the difference maker. And so a life built on anything looks that way. But here's the thing that I want you to understand is building a life on Jesus isn't merely believing he exists, it's acting like he exists. See, believing in Jesus isn't the same thing as following Jesus. And for many of us, we grew up in the South, or we grew up in church, we grew up in these settings where we believe, yeah, yeah, I believe in God, right? But does our belief in God cause us to act like we believe in God? Because it should change who we are, right? The very nature of ourselves. And that's what Jesus is talking about. If you listen to these words and apply them, are you building your life? Are you obedient to what Jesus is leading you to? And we have to do that. See, the problem for all of us is at some point we have all built our life on the sand. At some point, all of us have built our life on a faulty foundation. We have built our life on a relationship, on a job, on a degree. We built our life on a dream. We built our life on something we were chasing. We built our life on an ex-boyfriend, an ex-girlfriend that we were going after. We built our life on an on a ex-husband or an ex-wife that we were once married to. We built our life on this job, this career. We built it on a promotion. We built it on obtaining items. And all of those things are faulty sand that can't hold up to your expectations. They're all faulty sand that cannot possibly maintain the purpose in life that God has for you. There is one rock that is strong enough to build on, and it's Jesus. Everything else is sinking sand. And so he comes in to tell us, and the thing is, is our lives end up looking like a patch of land of a debris field of lives that used to exist before everything fell apart on us. See, our lives look that way. And, and then what happens is we blame our debris field on others, don't we? Like we'll blame our debris field. Like we'll come in. If it weren't for my ex-girlfriend, then like things would be so much better and I wouldn't be so unhappy. Well, maybe you just put too much value on that person and you didn't put enough value on the right relationship you were supposed to have in your life. Maybe you put too much value on that relationship in general. Maybe you put too much pressure on a girl to validate your frailties and insecurities to cover them up, thinking that her kind words and her love could replace the brokenness in your heart that someone else has put there. Maybe, maybe rather than dealing with the areas of life that you weren't happy with, you distracted yourself with another relationship and put pressure on that person to bring into your life the thing that nobody else could actually bring anyways. Some of you say, well, it, my ex-husband messed me up so bad and now I'm insecure and I'm broken. Maybe, 
But maybe you need to go through some brokenness to be able to see what wholeness looks like. Maybe God wants to show you the freedom that comes from him being all that you need. Maybe your brokenness existed long before your ex-husband came into your life. And maybe he didn't break you. Maybe he exposed something that was already broken in you. And I'm certainly not sitting here and suggesting that we shouldn't have compassion on those who have been through breakups and bad relationships and divorces. No, no, no. We should have empathy and sympathy for those who have experienced that. But all of us can admit that we have looked to people to fix brokenness in us that only God can fix. We're looking for them to do something they were never supposed to do. Maybe we put too much value into what it looks like to have a piece of arm candy on our arms so that we can post on Instagram. And maybe we need to look in the mirror and start declaring who God says that we are. Maybe instead of blaming everything on the people that messed you up, maybe you should start looking in the mirror and declaring that I'm a child of God. I'm an heir and a joint heir to the kingdom of God. I'm a prince or a princess in the kingdom and I belong to him. He'll hold back no good thing from his children, the Bible says. We should look to him. Some of us look at it and say, man, I had it all together. I had my life planned out, ready to go, and it didn't go the way I thought. Well, maybe you planned a life without ever considering what God wanted for your life. Maybe you've forgotten that God's ways are higher than your ways and God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And maybe you would never trade ease and comfort for excess and blessing without him letting you lose a few things in the process. You see, maybe your debris field is the evidence of the life you were never supposed to have. But maybe God loved you too much to let you stay there. Maybe God loved you too much to be with that person, to stay with that person. Maybe God loved you too much to let that relationship continue. Maybe God loved you too much to keep that job. Maybe God loved you too much to keep that career. Maybe God loved you too much to let you chase that degree. Maybe God loved you too much to continue in that track. Maybe God loved you too much to let you stay in that city. Maybe God loved you too much to continue to surround yourself with unhealthy people. Maybe God loved you too much to continue down the track that you were on and the very thing you keep complaining complaining about losing is the very thing that would have destroyed you if you stuck with it. Maybe God loved you too much to let you stay there because he has something higher, something bigger, something better, something greater for you than you could possibly think or imagine. And so God steps in. I remember going to this museum in New York. And uh, as we went to this museum in New York, uh, I, I love looking at historical artifacts and things like that. I remember we came across this piece of pottery and it was broken into like eight pieces. So it was a, it was a piece of pottery that was broken into, like I said, eight pieces. And you know what, looking at it, it's useless. It has no purpose. I mean, as a matter of fact, like when we when we look at it, like we're pretty sure that no one even cared that it was cracked. People are walking by and they're ooing and aahing and they're reading the little description label and, and they're, they're just checking it out. And can I tell you something that its usage wasn't what was important. Its representation was. It's what it was used for didn't matter. What it represented is what matters. And for some of us, we're looking at our broken pieces as the reason we can't be used anymore. We're looking at our brokenness as the reason God can't do something with our life. 
We're looking at our divorce or our breakup or the kids we had or the poverty that we were born into or the job that we lost. And we're using those as reasons why God can't do something great with our life. And I'm here to tell you, God doesn't need perfection in your life. As a matter of fact, usage is not what's important in your life. Representation is what is important in your life. When you walk into the room, your gifts only matter to the degree that you're representing the king when you get there. Your gifts only matter to the degree that you're representing Jesus when you walk into the room. When you get in the room, it's not about whether you're put together again. What do your pieces represent? And they represent the kingdom of God. So stop basing your value on your usage and start basing it on what you represent because you are an heir and a joint heir to the kingdom of God is what the Bible says. In other words, he has adopted you. For those of you, your faith is in Jesus. He has adopted you and you have access to the kingdom of God. The spirit of God is with you and he'll take you wherever he needs to take you to make you whatever he needs to make you. God is on the scene in your life and you can have confident faith, hope in that. You can believe it, even though you haven't seen it yet. Hebrews 11, even though we haven't seen it yet, we don't know what's going to happen. You can have hope. You can have the confidence in it. Because here's the deal. The magnitude of your testimony is often measured by your debris field. The magnitude of your testimony is often measured by the destructive past that exists. And some of us think, man, the destructive past is what I can't seem to get rid of. Here's the thing. However big the debris field is, that's how big your testimony gets to be when God takes you where he's taking you. And so many times we disqualify ourselves because we think, man, God, how could, how could I go to here? How could I do this? And the reality is when God does it and it won't make sense to you how he does it, then you get to give him all the glory because when you look behind you and you see that jacked up past, when you look behind you and you see that brokenness, when you look behind you and you see all the things that you've come through, but then you look ahead and you see where God is taking you, nobody else gets the glory except for God. So he steps in and he brings this amazing testimony. So we go back and as we look at Matthew, it says that he built the house on the rock and then it stood. And then there was one that built the house on the sand. And, and, and again, some, the stranger may come in not knowing the land and want to build on the sand. But here's what I want you to understand. is building on the rock isn't always the easiest, but it will last. And I really want you to grab a hold of this, especially for those of you that, man, you're moving and you're trusting in faith that God has you, even in the season dealing with coronavirus and, and maybe you're dealing with a job loss or you've been furloughed or you just, man, you're, you're not sure how things are going to pan out in the future. I want you to understand something. No matter what happens, build your life on the rock and building it on the rock. It may not be the easiest. It may be easier for you to just try to make things happen on your own. I'm certainly not suggesting you just sit at home with your arms crossed. What I'm saying is you pray and allow God to lead you. It's not always the easiest, but it will last. You know, it's not fast. It's not always even pretty. Sometimes God takes us down roads and we're going, God, what are you doing? 
Why, why are we even here? Sometimes we find ourselves to have to do harder work. I mean, you think about it, if you're going to build on a rock, it takes harder work to get things level because the rock has different formations to it. So you got to work harder. You got to take longer to build on the rock. You got to cut through some stones sometimes. You got to hammer into the, the right places. And it, it's hard work. It's not like building on the sand where you just dig a couple holes, throw some posts in the ground, and now you can start building your house. No, no, no. Building on the rock is hard. It takes longer to level. It takes, it's harder work to get it into the ground. It takes, it's everything is harder and everything takes longer when you're building your life on what matters. But here's the deal. The reason it's harder and the reason that it takes longer to get there is because you're building on a foundation that can't be broken or moved. But guess what happens when the storms of life roll in? What could not be broken and what could not be moved? Keep your house, your life standing in the midst of storms, in the midst of floods, when problems come flooding in like the waters do, when issues come flooding into your life, when pain comes flooding into your life and it becomes so real to you, when, when hardships come flooding into your life, when difficulty, man, when the doctor's note comes flooding into your life that says that you are in stage four cancer, when uh, a doctor's note comes flooding into your life for your child or for a loved one, when your boss's uh, report that says that the company is shutting down comes flooding into your life, when issues come flooding into your life, when pain, when difficulties, and you come home and the marriage that you thought was beautiful is now broken and fragmented because of, of untrust and issues. Guess what? When those problems come flooding into your life, if you've built your life on the sand, on something that's weak, on something that's not God, it's going to get washed away. But when you've built your life on the rock that doesn't move, when those storms roll in, when the waters roll in, when the pain rolls in, your life stands firm. Because it's built on the rock whose name is Jesus. So it requires us to go through some difficult times, difficult seasons, and it honestly carries us. But we get to experience how God is showing up. 2 Timothy 2.19 says this in the Living Bible. This is a paraphrase. It says, but God's truth stands firm like a great rock. His truth stands firm like a great rock, and nothing can shake it. It is a foundation stone with these words written on it. The Lord knows those who are really His. You see, we show God that we're really His with our obedience. Again, if you go back to Matthew, it says this. Jesus' words says, if you take these words and put them into practice, you're like the man who built the house on the rock. And so he says this, he knows those who are really his. Well, who are those that are really his? Those that have put their faith in him, those that are trusting in Jesus, and those that are being obedient to what he's called you to. And so we step in and we see ourselves locking into what God has brought to us. He is our firm foundation. And for many of you, you are in the position that you are enjoying the blessing and favor of God. Matter of fact, you are enjoying God's blessings more than you are experiencing God himself. And my encouragement to you is don't allow yourself to believe in the rock, but not be built on the rock. Man, put your foundation on Jesus and your relationship with him. And some of you are in a position where you're building your house on the rock right now. And even though you're building your house on the rock, you're looking at others who are building their house on the sand and you're becoming envious of how easy and pleasant their house building is. 
Again, their house is a representation for their life. You're looking at how easy their life looks. It looks so simple. Can I tell you something? It looks simple right now because the storms aren't coming in. It looks simple right now because there's no waters flooding through. So when you look at others and go, everything just looks so simple for them. I, I wish I had that life. Can I tell you something? You always wish you had the life built on Jesus more than you had a life built on anything else. Because all of those things will one day be washed away. But your life that is built on Jesus stands firm. 2 Timothy 2 uh, says this, 2, 9 through 10 in the Living Bible, again, a paraphrase, says this. The word of God is not chained. Even though I am, this is Paul talking right now, who is literally in prison. He says, even though I am chained up, I am more than willing to suffer if that will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. It goes on to say this in verses 11 through 13. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, in other words, if we've given him our life, we will also live with him in eternity is what he's saying. If we endure the hardships, the struggle, if we build the life on the rock and do what it takes to do that, we will also reign with him forever in heaven. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. That means if we run out, he's there and he's more than enough. If we're uncertain, he still steps in and gives us and supplies us with our needs. If, if we don't know how it's going to work, he knows how it's going to work because he's faithful. God comes through for us. And so we look at it and, and, and it breaks down like this in the Living Bible. Part of what I just read to you is different. And he writes it like this in the translation or in the paraphrase. And if we think that our present service for him is hard, just remember that someday we're going to sit with him and rule with him. It keeps going. It says this, even when we're too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and will help us for he cannot disown us who are part of himself and he will always carry out his promises to us. Just like we looked at earlier in Hebrews when we checked out verse 23, we come back and we're seeing again in 2 Timothy where he says, even when we feel like we're faithless, he's faithful to carry out his promises to us. God is faithful to meet you right where you're at. Because here's the reality, building on the rock, it guarantees you're always standing at the end. Building your life on the rock guarantees you're always standing at it. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. God's got you. And, and speaking of that, we've got a lady in our church who had to go through a season of trusting when her life was built on the rock because she chose not to build it on the sand. Her name's Tina, and we want to show you her story real quick. Hi, my name's Tina Bercy, and I'm from Diaberville, Mississippi. So moving away from my hometown has, I've lived in Mississippi my entire life, so it was very scary coming to a new city, and I'm just really thankful for TC for just welcoming me and my family with open arms and loving us just the way we are and accepting us and just pouring into our lives. So tithing was always something I wanted to do and something I did maybe sporadically just depending on 
what was going on in my life. And when I got here, I just, you know, I just said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna do it right this time. Um, I had been working at my job for six years and I was just, I worked from home. I was sitting at my, my desk, just a routine day. And I got a phone call and they said, today's your last day. And as you can imagine, I was devastated. I was shocked, um, you know, cried, ate crappy food, had a whole pity party, did all that thing. But God quickly reminded me who I am and whose I am. Throughout that whole time, like I wanted to freak out, but I had such a peace that was really unexplainable. And within three weeks, I had a new job. And this new job is, it's a better salary. It's more flexibility, less stress. And I absolutely feel like it's a direct uh, blessing or favor from God from tithing faithfully because I've been doing that since I moved here from Mississippi for about the last eight months. Pastor Brad just, he always talks about giving and how God, like you can't ever outgive God and that he's always gonna give back to you and that the blessings that come from tithing. This is what I would tell someone that's hesitant about tithing. If you can't start with 10%, that's okay. Just start somewhere, even if it's 1% or just any given amount, just pray about it and God will lead you on what to give. And um, you won't regret it. They, you, there's, a, there's a covering that you feel over your life when you tithe that, that's unexplainable, that it's just like a, a blessing and the favor of God. You can feel that on your life when you give him your first. Man, how powerful is that story by Tina? Faithfulness is rewarded because we can trust in a faithful God. He makes promises to us and we get to see and benefit and receive those promises. And here today, I'm going to tell you, he's a firm foundation for you. He's a firm foundation for your life. Your, your life may look a little bruised, a little battered, and your debris field may look a little scattered, but God's got you. And you can start today building your life on this firm foundation who is Jesus. He went to the cross and he gave his life. He died on the cross thousands of years ago, and he paid for your sins. And today, if you want to receive forgiveness, if you want your sins to be washed away, all you have to do is put your faith in him and say, Jesus, I believe in you. And matter of fact, it's a simple prayer that I want to invite you to pray with me right now. And you can just repeat after me. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is putting words to the actions of our heart that's saying, Jesus, I'm going to believe in you. But we want to be able to speak that, declare it with our mouth. So let's pray today. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I give you my life. Make me a new creation. Make me brand new. I want to follow you. I'll obey you. Help me know you and help me love you. And thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.